0: Well, I'll be jumping in uh, right off the bat. So we're going to be in Luke 17, verses 11 through 19, and I apologize to my Hisp- uh, my uh, Spanish speakers. Um, I don't speak Spanish. Uh, so uh, there should be mas notes on the pro- projector, right? Thank you, thank you. It's so pathetic. Russ can give the whole message in Spanish, and I get three words, and they're like, yay, he's learning. We'll get- We'll get there one day. All right. So Luke 17 verses uh, 11 through 19 says, uh, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along uh, the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When they saw uh, when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priests, and as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back and praised God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus, Jesus' feet, and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So a little bit about these guys. Uh, These guys were uh, all together in a group. Uh, They all had this thing called leprosy, which was like a skin disease that would slowly eat out your body and you would slowly die. It was a very painful, uh, just sad death. And and to understand a little bit more about this, uh, due to the Leviticus, uh, law, uh, if you had one of these diseases, because they were extremely contagious, uh, you would actually be asked to leave the, the community, actually not asked, you would just be kicked out, um, it was quite forceful, so uh, you, you would be completely you know, sent away from the community, you would have no place to be with there, be around people, uh, and you would lose your community, you would lose your family, you would lose your friends. Not only that, you were uh, instructed that when you came around people, you were to call out uh, unclean, unclean, and so people would be warned not to be around you, and that was their life. That's all they knew, and so it wasn't uncommon for them to find each other and and then band together. In fact, we see in other parts of the gospel where uh, the lepers would come to Jesus in a group, so the ten people together wasn't super uncommon, uh, and so they would do that because they had no one else to go. So ten of them come to Jesus and get his attention, and when they cry out uh, for mercy, and uh, when they do that, they use a specific word here, and it's called Uh, uh, Elim, uh Elohim, I think is, that's how I say it. Uh, and, uh, sorry, I, I, once again, I, I, I say that I'm in seminary. I haven't done Greek yet, so you get the yeah my version of of the Greek translation, uh, so you can talk to Russ for, to get the actual way to say it, but I always just say you know if I say my, the words correctly and like smoothly it 's really just to pr- impress you um, so uh, but the meaning behind it is not necessarily anything special; it just means pity it means mercy. Uh, But what's interesting about that is how Luke decides to use it only four times in his gospel, and he does it almost right in a row. So Luke 16, he uses it in a a parable. When Jesus is talking, he he talks about this parable between uh, Lazarus and the rich man, and the rich man is in hell, and he's crying out to Abraham, and he's crying out that Lazarus would come and give him just a drop of water on his tongue because he's so thirsty, he's so just desperate for any kind of grace and relief. While he's in hell, and that's when he at, cries this word out, have pity on me. I, that's uh, that feeling of being just, uh, I have nothing. I'm, I'm depraved. I'm, I'm by myself. I, I have, I'm desperate. Please, just look at me with such sadness that you would give me anything. It's used another two times in Luke 18 when uh, there's a blind beggar who's sitting on the side, and there's this commotion going around him, and he says, hey, what's going on? You know, he can't see. And so he asks someone, what's going on? And they said, well, Jesus is coming by. And so he just starts screaming out, have pity on me, Jesus, have pity on me, have pity on me. And people are getting frustrated at him. You know, imagine you're standing on the the sideline to see someone who's very important, and this guy just keeps screaming behind you, and you're going to be like, Dude, chill out, calm down. But he doesn't. He keeps screaming out, have pity on me, have mercy on me. And so it's with those two examples sandwiched in between them is this, where we see these 10 lepers who say the exact same phrase, have pity on me, have mercy on me. What I think that Luke's trying to help us understand is that these these. Points of contact with Jesus. It was not like, hey, Jesus, if you don't mind, could you just like quick heal me? That'd be cool. It was this like desperation that if you don't come through, God, I got nothing. That if you don't help me, I'm destined to die alone, hurting. I I just need your touch, God. I need you to come into my situation, come into to help me. So I think it's interesting. That that's their situation that they're coming into. And Jesus' reaction is very different than you see him with a lot of other people who are sick with this. See, there's many other times where Jesus interacts with lepers, and they, he heals them right on the spot. But what he does with them is he doesn't heal them right on the spot. In fact, the, what they, he ends up telling them is just go show yourself to the priests. And so they do. I just thought, man, how tough is that? How hard is that? You come to Jesus with your problem, you know, you bear your soul. You're like, there it is, all God. And he just says, go do this thing. Because notice that it wasn't instantly that they were healed. When he sends them away, they still have the leprosy on them. They, they still have the disease. They still feel their body dying. And he says, go, show yourself to the priest's. I mean, I wouldn't be uh, I mean, they had heard the other miracles that have happened. I mean they've been, His stories have been going everywhere. I mean, there is one person who walked up, a leper who walked up to him and he just touched him, and he was healed instantly. There's, there was a woman who was, Jesus was walking by, and she just reached out and touched his robe, and he, she was healed instantly. But these 10. Standing before him, Jesus doesn't approach them. He doesn't come near to them. He just calls out to them, "Go show yourself to the priest." It kind of sends them away. And you got to wonder, man, what what would have gone through your head at that moment when you come to Jesus with your problems and he just says, "Go do this." And you're like, "But, but the problem's still there. The bills are still there, God. Like the money hasn't come in, God. I, the kid is still an issue, God. I I, I need your help. What?" can I do? But I love it. They, they, they start to walk out. They go to, what, to do what Jesus had told them to do. And as they are walking, the scripture says, they were cleansed. As they were living into what God had told them to do, they were cleansed. As they were walking towards their destiny. To, to, if, if he didn't come through, they were going to walk into a room, and the priest would have said, get out of here, and yelled at him. But they had faith. And because of that faith, their faith had made them well. They got the healing that only Jesus could provide. Now, verse 15 says, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praised God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not the other ten cleansed? Were all of the, or where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he asked, then he said to him, Raise and go. Your faith has made you well. So out of the ten, there's this one guy who comes back, right? He recognized that he was healed, and then he just booked it on his way back. And, and it mentions that he's a Samaritan. And I think why this is part of a big deal is because if you uh, – uh, know anything about um, what's going on between the Samaritans and the Israelites is they are not friends, right? They are very much enemies of each other. And a lot of it had to do with where they're going to worship. See, the, the Israelites had this temple, and they said that's where God is, and that's where God had told them to worship. And then the Samaritans, they had um, Mount Sinai, and that's where they thought God. they should worship God. And so they were always at each other, and they were always talking bad about each other. So it is interesting that uh, in leprosy, in this disease, they found friendship with each other. So it's this Samaritan who runs to Jesus. And I think the part of that big deal is this Samaritan realizes that it's not a temple. It's not a mountain that he should run to to worship God. He suddenly realizes, he told me to go to the priest. And to worship God there. And I'm going to run to the priest, Jesus. And he realizes it's not a mountain. It's not a temple. It's at the feet of Jesus that he ought to be worshiping God. And I think that's such a great picture for us to say he gets it. He gets it and we should get it. See, the man is the only one who gets it. And he also continues to not just want his problem solved. Because, again, this was a big deal. I mean, getting healed by leprosy, that wasn't just a healing like, oh, cool, I'm, I'm all better. This was a restoring to your community. Now friends that you had been banished from seeing are now there again. You can now go see your spouse for the first time in a long time. You could hold your children again. This was a, not just a healing for the individual. This was a healing for the family, for the community. And so that, these are big deals, right? That's a big deal. And this one, instead of running to his family, instead of running to all these other places, he runs straight to Jesus and, and gives God praises there. And what we see there is Jesus kind of highlights him as having this great faith, right? But this is the only guy out of the entire ten who actually starts to get a hold of Jesus, who he truly is. He gets salvation, He doesn't just get a problem fixed. He gets the whole understanding of who Jesus is. His priest, he's God, he's his savior. And I think for us, that's where we need to kind of understand. I think a lot of us, when we get a problem, first of all, it's good to run to Jesus, all right? When you have a problem in your life, it is good to run to Jesus. When things are just going chaotic and things are a mess, life's a mess, things are hard and, and you don't know what to do, you're doing the right thing if you run to Jesus. All right. I want to first say that very fr- out front. And the reason I can say that is because uh, for those of you who uh, maybe know me, uh, you're going to hear my testimony a little bit. I'm sorry if you've rep- this is a repeat, but that's how I came to Jesus. See, I came to Jesus not with life altogether, everything's hunky-dory. Uh, I did grow up in Sunrise uh, from sixth grade to present. Uh, you don't need to know my age. Uh, and and uh, so I've been around for a while. Uh, but around 19, uh, I was kind of doing my own thing. See, I was around church, but I wasn't in the church. I didn't really want to be a part of it. And I just kind of wanted to live life to the fullest, that was my motto. I just want to live the best, like everything. You only get one life, right? I want to just do it to the max. And so I did, and I was living into the consequences of that. So there wasn't a thing that I didn't drink. There wasn't a thing that I didn't smoke. There wasn't a person that I didn't want to be with. I was just, I was just one of those types of extreme people. If There was a mountain to jump off, a bridge to jump off. You know how like parents will say that, like if everyone jumps off the bridge. I'm like, yeah, They'd be following me because I'm the first one to jump off the bridge. Like, I just, that was my mode uh, in life. And so, failure after failure, because those choices come with consequences. And so, failure after failure, I kind of decided to throw one more back onto the pile of my life. And uh, I went out on a Halloween much uh, long ago. And, and uh, I don't remember a lot of it. Um, went out to a party, and I remember the getting into the car I remember the police officer um, putting me in the back of his car and then I remember going into the cell and that's about all I remember Uh, I was gone And so, uh, side note, uh, weird. Like I said, it was Halloween. I was dressed up as a zombie. Um, So there's a part of me that's like, I really wish I could zone in and remember the the guy's faces that was also in the cell with me when he, like, I come in all jacked up, looking all bloody and zombie-like, and he's like, I need to confess because they take things serious here, right? Like, I just, I really wish I could know what his face was when I walked in. Uh, And he's like, Man, you had a rough night. But after a little while, that guy was released. And uh, I remember sitting in that cell by myself. And I just was like, man, I suck. I keep failing at everything I try to do. And then in my heart, I heard just a word from God. Because you see, he had been trying to get my attention a long time ago. But I'm a stubborn individual. And uh, this is kind of what he said. He says, do you like where you are? And I was like, no. No. He says, well, if you keep going down the path you're going, this is where you're going to end up. And I just was like, I don't know what else to do. So I just kind of, in the little bit I knew, I just kind of said, God, if you're willing to use me or do something with this life, you can have it if you want it. I don't think you do. There's a lot more. I've been around church. There's a lot better people out there for you to deal with but if you're willing, God, here I am, in a jail cell dressed as a zombie, looking all kind of tore up, and if you want me, you can have me. And so that next day, I I just came clean. I mean, there was no hiding it. I mean, my mom had to pick me up. My car was repoed and all that stuff, and... Uh, came clean with my mom, came clean with my uh, church and the leaders and all this other stuff. And I just kind of was just like, this is, yeah, this is what I've been doing. This is my life. And then this crazy thing happened to me on my court date. I came and I was ready for the DUI stuff because that's what I believed I should have had. And, and, and I was ready standing there in front of him and the judge is standing in front of me and I'm all intimidated. And he like reads off this stuff and he's like, did you do it? And I was like, sure and I didn't know that's a bad sign FYI you should not just agree to things that the judge says did you do this and I was like yeah what I don't know what you just said but sure and so he reads off the sentencing to me and I'm waiting for like the jail time and the the big charge and the community service and I'm not hearing any of that and he gavels it and I'm like I just missed it I guess I just missed it I don't know do they take me now or later I don't know how this works and I go out to the lobby and my family just comes around me. They're like, you're the luckiest guy in the world. You, you need to go buy a lottery ticket. You're so lucky. And I'm like, what happened? Which <laughs> again shows how little I knew. Um, and they're like, you got a public intox. So you didn't get a DUI. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, What's the difference? And she's they're like, no, no problems. You play a t- small fine and you're on your way. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Why? I think that why is what made me unsettled because it's like, why would God do that? Like, I did the, the crime. I'm supposed to do what comes after that, right? What what's going on? And and I just got hungry to figure out what was the point of all that. And so, um, I had recognized at least in my little ignorant teenage brain that I had owe, like I owed God one, right? Which shows you how ignorant that I really was because I said I I owe God one, right? Like, that's all. Like, he got me out of this one jam. That's all I owe him. I owe him much more. And so I was like, God, you know what? I I, I appreciate you did me a solid. You got me out of this DUI. I'll go give you six months. I'll go do this this thing called the DTS, Discipleship Training School, with an organization called YWAM, Youth with a Mission. I'll give you six months. I don't have a license for a year, so I might as well knock off six months. And, uh, yeah, let's let's just do that. And so that's what I did. I got sent on my way, and... uh, that's where I met Jesus, is that YWAM. That's where I just started to understand who he was. I no longer was talking to God. I was talking to Jesus. I knew who he was. I knew his name. Truth wasn't this ambiguous thing out there. It was a person that I could actually talk to and who would hear me. And I started to understand that he loved me so much more than I ever could possibly realize See, I think one of the things that we need to start to understand is it's okay to come to Jesus with our problems, but he has so much more in store for us. You are so much more to Jesus than just your problems. You are so much more to Jesus than your problems. He cares about your problems. He knows how to fix it. But he wants you to understand who you are, his son, his daughter, He wants to build that relationship with you. He wants to get to know you. And so sometimes when we get locked in on our problems, we just want to block all the other stuff out. Just fix my problem. We want to just be like the other nine, right? Fix my problem, Jesus. Just give me the healing and I'm out. You don't have to bug me anymore. I don't have to bug you. We're good. We're cool. You gave me my miracle. I'm out. He wants so much more for you. Luke 14, verses 16 through 24. I'm just going to briefly run through that. But what's happening there is there's a banquet going on, and uh, there's this uh, ruler of a house, and he puts on this banquet, and he would have, uh, just FYI, uh, he he would have RSVP'd everybody, um, so uh, he would have sent out invitations ahead of time, and these are the people that are, are he's talking to are people that said, yeah, I'll be there, count on me, save me a spot, I'll be there which is why we will understand why he gets so frustrated. So uh sends out his servants to tell him, hey, everything's ready. Come to the party. We're ready. And uh, one by one, they all start to make excuses of why they can't come. The first one says, I just bought a field. Uh, the next one says, I just bought a bunch of cattle. And then the last one uh, says, uh, I just got married, so we kind of want to be around each other and no one else. I don't know why. It's weird. Um, but uh that's what they want to do. And anyone who's married can honestly believe like, yeah, uh, weaken by yourself away from everyone. That sounds great. Like, let's let's do that thing. Uh, so none of these things were bad things. None of these things were like things that were like, oh, these are things you not should be doing. No, if you're married, like if you want to weaken away with each other. Yeah, that's perfectly good. You know, but these these people, again, had made commitments to God to say, I will be there. And then they made these excuses not to show up. And so we'll notice what he says in verse 21. He says, Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you ordered had been done, but there is still room. Then the master told the servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that the house will, my house will be full I tell you, not one of those who were invited will, be, will get to taste my banquet. Here's the point. Sometimes good things distract us from God things. Sometimes good things distract us from the ultimate things. So like I said, the buying a field that's, that's running a business. Maybe some of you guys are business owners. Business isn't bad. It's not like a sinful thing to make money. No, it's very good to make money. But sometimes we can get so focused on those other things, those good things, that we miss what God has in store for us as He invites us to things. It reminds me of my son. Yesterday was his birthday, and uh, we went to Chuck E. Cheese for some reason. And uh, while we were there, um, just—it's so loud and distracting and everything—and and I'm trying to like get him. Okay, it's like a him and me conversation. I'm like, buddy, I need you to stick by either mom or me. And he, his eyes are like this. Uh huh Uh uh-huh uh-huh like he's not listening right he's just he's he's in the zone there's flashing lights like dad's face is not going to get to him right God cannot compete with the mouse like walking by with the thing with this says free tickets on it right I'm like how am I going to compete with this right Uh, and so I'm trying to instruct my son on how to do and he's just completely distracted and I think sometimes that's us as God's trying to stand there like, okay, I, I got something for you. I want you to do this, and it's going to be great. It's going to change your life. It's going to put you on the right path. And we're like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, when is that post? Okay, uh-huh, and yeah, uh-huh. And when is that? Can, can, Game of Thrones is on tonight. Can, go on, And, and, and we just get so distracted with the other things of life that we miss out on those God moments. And so no matter where you're at in life, whether you came in today and you got problems, you got issues, you're hurting from the week, and I'm right there with you. It can get, it's so easy to get so tunneled vision focused on just your problem that as Jesus tries to show you the rest of his grace and his love and who he is, we just block that out. And we're just like, no, Jesus, I just need you to fix this. Don't worry. I don't need to know anything more about you. I just need you to fix this problem. And that becomes your sole purpose for coming to church listening to Christian music, finding your Bible and reading it, all that kind of stuff. That's the only reason to do that. And, and also, maybe your life's good. Don't let those other things distract you from God because the truth is, is we need to make God our priority, our first priority. Above everything else, above the good things and the bad things, God should always remain as our first priority in our life because that's what he made us he made us his first priority. I want you to understand that Jesus didn't just come like, "Oh yeah, I guess I should go down there and fix some things." He had a plan that he was working from, from Genesis two when we messed the, or Genesis three, when we messed things up, He is already working a plan out for us. See, Jesus came at just the right moment to help us to understand who He was. If he would have came before, we wouldn't have been able to have the, the ability to spread out the way that we did as christians and and if he would have came afterwards, things would have already been messed up. He came at just the right moment, and he 's been working that plan out for two thousand and nineteen years so that you could come to know who Jesus was today it's not like he dropped the mic then and, and uh in uh, zero, you know two thousand years ago he 's been working things out every step of the way so that you could come to know who he is. He continues to do his good work. He continues to reach out to people. He continues to love people. Because here's the reality. Wherever you're at in life, he has so much more in store for you. See, I came to Jesus with a problem. It was a DUI. And he gave me so much more than just a way out. He gave me an ability to understand what a family is. I came from a very broken home. Dad came when he wanted to. Mom was doing her best. It was very much a mess. And he started to help me understand that I had a heavenly family that was perfect. Instead of the abandonment issues that I was gifted to gifted to me by my father, he helped me understand that he would never leave me or forsake me no matter how much stuff I did wrong, no how many dumb choices I would make. He would never give up on me. He helped me understand what a husband is supposed to look like by loving his church and dying on the cross for him. And he said that's what I'm calling you to do for your wife. He has led me every step of the way, and I'm not perfect. Far from it. Get to know me for five minutes and be like, this guy's jacked up. Why was he on stage? <laughs> but the reality is that I serve a good God who has the best things in store for you. And I want you guys to understand that if you make God your first priority, man, your whole life just gets so much better. Remember how I told you I was one of those guys who loved to live life to the fullest? I'm still broken in that way. I love risk. I love doing those things. Uh, but I realized that when I walk with Jesus, it's probably the most extreme thing I've ever done in my life. And I've done a lot of stupid things. But when I, when I, when I follow God, he constantly leads me to the edge that if he doesn't show up, I'm going to fall off and things are going to fall apart. I feel like my life is constantly on the edge of, God, if you don't show up, man, I'm just going to. I'm take a header right there. But it is the most secure thing that you could ever feel. It's like he's got his arms around you the whole time, and he's just like, I got you. I got you. Don't worry. God has the best things in store for you when you make him his, your first priority. It's the best life that you'll ever have, the most extreme thing that you'll ever do, the most comforting feeling you'll ever have when when we make God our first priority, we get blessings we never knew to ask for, joy that is contagious, and peace that is unmovable. So I have a question for you guys, and I just want to wrap it up with this. How are you going to make God your first priority? How can you change your life to make God your first priority? And what that really means is just making your relationship with him, being intentional with that. Not just being like, huh, Hope I learn more about Jesus today. It's being like, how am I going to learn more about Jesus today? Am I going to read my Bible this morning? Am I going to listen to a a podcast? Am I going to uh, just sit and pray for a little bit? Am I just going to listen to some worship music and have some quiet time? What am I going to do to be intentional with my relationship with Jesus to grow? So I want you to think about that this week. And I want you to go one step further. Don't just be like, I, I got an answer. Okay, I'm going to read my Bible, whatever. I want you to uh, then tell somebody. All right, that's harder, right? Like, whoa, 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 Greg. I was cool with, like, figuring things out, but now you want me to tell someone? Like, they might call me out on it. Yeah, that's the point. Um, and not to be, like, judgy with each other because there's enough judgment in this world, right? It's more so just to simply be able to ask each other and, and ask for the best. You know, when I ask someone to, like, check in, up on me, I want them to check up on me because I want to be winning with it, right? Like, if I tell someone I'm going to be reading my Bible every time at 8 o'clock this time, uh, and they ask me about it, my hope is when I ask them that, that, that I'll be able to, like, yeah, I'm going to have some great God times at 8 o'clock. Not, oh, yeah, well, uh, about that. Uh, maybe, maybe next week I'll try better. No, the hope is that we always do it, Right? And so and when we, we share that news with each other, we, we, I pray that you would share it with joy, like, yeah, check up on me. I, sh- I should have some really good God stories. But how are you going to be intentional at that time? So I want to take a moment, and we're going to actually transition into uh, a little bit I want to share about my trip to Asia. And so uh, before I can do that, though, I'll need to kill the uh, cast because a part of one of those things about uh, going to